Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel this week, which includes, as always, Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna. Good morning. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah. And then there's Robert, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. All right. That is as calm as Robert will be for the rest of the podcast, if we know our Robert. So uh, this week, we are going to start by talking about the situation that's going on in Kohler. We talked about this a little bit last week on the podcast. We mentioned that there was the potential of a strike up at the Kohler plant, which I think, as most folks know, is a an iconic company here in the state and employs over 2,000 union workers. And unfortunately... Uh, they did not come to an agreement over the weekend. And as I think most of our listeners know, those workers are out on strike. And so as we suggested last week, we are very lucky to have a representative from the UAW to tell us a little bit more about what's going on. And so we have Peter Berensprung. Peter is a representative with the UAW uh, District Region 4 and is a former president of the UAW local up there. Peter, thanks for taking the time to tell us, talk to us a little bit more about what's going on on the strike. Good morning, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, first of all, as you mentioned, I, I'm currently the servicing rep for uh, Region 4 UAW for this area. I also represent other facilities such as Oshkosh Corporation, uh, actually where we managed to do a, a, a five-year extension in 2013 to be able to save jobs there. So, uh, you know, we've had a good, we've had a, a good past uh, practice with uh, being able to negotiate with companies and be able to get uh, things taken care of. Uh, as far as negotiations and the whole issue, the whole issue right now with Kohler Company, uh, as uh, you know, the membership voted uh, by 94 percent. They voted the uh, contract down, um, and really, the the two key issues are number one. Uh, increased health care once again, and we, from 2010 to 2015, uh, the individuals, our health care costs increased dramatically. Um, and also along with that, in 2010, the company ended up implementing a two-tier system for new hires. And from 2010 to 2015, those new hires have not gotten any wage increases. The Tier A employees, which would be the tenure, the tenure employees, um, also um, have not gotten a wage increase in the past five years. But the ironic thing about it is is that really the Tier B employees, the new hires, uh, there's less than 20% of those in the plant right now. And what happened was the senior members or the senior, our, our senior members of the local uh, really are, are opposed with those new people coming in, not being able to make a living wage, and uh, not and having health care insurance that's absolutely unaffordable. So obviously, um, the company did not come to any agreement. And uh, are, are you in any kind of negotiations now, or is that what Saturday is all about? To try to oh, and, 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 and uh, please let people know about Saturday too. Sure, sure. Sunday afternoon, uh, shortly afternoon, I contacted the company. I. I let them know what the results were on the bullet, and uh, I, I reached out to them and said, "If you know, if you're interested in, in sitting down with uh, with the bargaining committee, you know, we're available at any time." Have not heard a word back from the company since Sunday. So obviously, they, you know, right now, currently, 
don't have any intentions to meet with us from the way it sounds. Um, as far as the what we have going on Saturday is we are asking for support. Uh, anybody that can uh, that can come to Kohler, um, it's uh, what we're going to do is between nine and three, where you're going to have an informational picket. Uh, anybody that wants to come, we're going to have bus service running from the Union Hall. The address at the at the uh, Union Hall, the Amo Maisie Hall, is fifty four twenty five Superior Avenue, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and uh, it's about a mile from the plant. So what we're going to do is run the run the bus service uh, from the Union Hall. Um, if anybody wants to, they could also park in Kohler, but it's going to be limited parking because uh, there's a lot of people there already. But we are certainly hoping to get as many people out as possible to support us on, on Saturday. We're also asking for donations. Um, we've got, with our Tier B people, the people that have started after 2010, Right now, even though the strike is only a week old, you know these are people that don't have uh, the money, the resources to be able to buy food and and you know things such as diapers. Um, now, I mean, and, and this is a situation while they were working in the plant, quite frankly, where they didn't have enough money to to live, and you know it's it's gotten a little bit worse, obviously, for them since they've gone out. But anything that uh, anything that the uh, the, the, the listeners can help us with it would be greatly appreciated uh, if you could drop the stuff off at the Union Hall or, or if anybody wants to make monetary donations uh, they could send them to UAW Local 833 and that's at 5425 Superior Avenue I really want to encourage listeners to help out uh, it's pretty clear that the company could be playing hardball um, Tell us more. It sounds like this week a sign went up. They're starting to recruit scab workers. Uh, I, uh, this... I'm not sure. I'm Quite frankly, I'm not sure if that went up this week or if, the, if it was up uh, in the community earlier because, you know, for the past five years they've had an issue with bringing people in. They, I believe the numbers were somewhere around, they, they hired somewhere around 1,100 people in the past five years. Uh, 600 of those don't, don't work there, didn't work there before the strike ended. So, uh, it was a constant turnover, so yeah. I'm, I'm not quite I'm not quite sure if that was the case. But just a little history as far as Kohler Company goes. You know, we did go on strike in 1983 for a short period of time. That was over the two tier. Eventually, we grew out of that. But if you go back to the 1954 strike, uh, that was that was a, a brutal strike. That was something that um, really, you know, when you talk about decimating a community, um, you know, we have. Um, we had brothers that, uh, after after the strike started, we had brothers that and family members that never spoke because some crossed the line and some didn't. So um, I can't believe that that Kohler Company would want to put this community uh, in, in harm's way like that again. You know, it was terrible back then. Uh, took uh, you know 30 years to heal, and I, I can't imagine it uh, it being good. Well. We we see this issue as critical here at Citizen Action. Um, a successful company like Kohler, if they can't, you know, provide shared opportunity with their employees, right? Uh, it'll right. it'll send reverberations throughout the state. We're already seeing it with mass layoffs and what's going on. And so we just um, we see this fight as critical and really encourage our listeners to get heavily involved. Get out there Saturday if you can't. Please send donations, support, come out to the line anytime. If I'm correct, the line is 24 hours a day, right? 
That is correct. We've uh, from the time from the moment we went out on strike, uh, we've we've had the lines uh, manned, and we can we are putting our regular schedule up so that people know exactly where and when they should be there. Going forward, we're working on that right now. But uh, the first the first day of the strike, we had a, a march from the union hall to Kohler Company, and as I said, that's it's more a mile to the plant itself and. Um, you know, we, we had about 1,200 people that walked that, and then we had another 400 people that met us, four or 500 people that met us over at the plant um, once we got there also. And those were, you know, our employees, obviously. But, um, you know, hopefully hopefully the Kohler family gets the message. You know, it's, um, you know it, it's a sad situation that we have to be where we are today. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We know it's an uh, incredibly busy time. And uh, so thank you very much. And we, we're going to continue to stay on top of this on our podcast. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank uh, you very much. Yep, you thank have a you. good day. Yeah, big shout out to all the Kohler workers and what they're doing, standing up for their jobs. And I think uh, a lot of listeners know this, but for those of you who aren't involved with labor, two-tiered contracts are just a huge problem. Uh, what companies try to do is split worker against worker and say, okay, we will keep paying decent wages and benefits to those who are, who are older workers who are organizing the union, but then the new hires won't get that. And the result is it pits, uh, it, it not only creates jobs that aren't real living wage jobs, and so uh, we just heard that there's huge turnover among the young workers at Kohler, so it's actually having that effect. You're not retaining employer, employees. And then it also obviously divides workers. And so part of what's obviously going on is, is that the uh, more senior workers who still have the better contract are standing up for, their, for the other workers, the younger workers, to try to make all the jobs at Kohler jobs people will stay in and, and, and raise a family with. So obviously that that classifies them as heroes, um, and it's important that we get up there and support them. Robert, it's not the only labor issue out there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in Madison with the TAA, which is the sister union to the the union that got me started in the labor movement. I was once the co-president of the Milwaukee Graduate Assistant, so they're close to my heart, but they have also been at the center of the attack and have lost a lot of their union rights. But what's going on in Madison with the TAA? Well... We think of the UW-Madison administration as progressive somehow, because we at least uh, want to fund higher education as progressives, but they now have a great history working with the TA's union, and so that's continuing. So they developed a plan on changing the compensation dramatically without telling the graduate students they're planning uh, on it for a year. And uh, they claim the goal is to assert that uh, teaching assistants are are students first and workers second. That's the old arguments that they made yeah. before we had a union when right. I was back then. That was and it was it's, it's like bullshit. the student athlete. Thing. We're just yeah. going to devalue yeah. their work then because they're students, so therefore they don't really deserve to be paid. Well, properly, because right? we don't actually have tenured faculty teaching oh. very heavy teaching loads at Madison, the people who actually do a lot of the teaching are now going to be treated as an exploited labor class, just at, like fast food workers. At UWM, oh, TAs think. taught 40% of the classes at the university, just for, and I'm sure it's grown only larger as research, is the pressure to become a research institution only grows. So if you're paid, you know, $13,000, guess what? You're, um, uh, you're also, <laughs> while serving this purpose of the university, running up a bunch of debt in yeah. many cases as well, particularly if you have a family. And so uh, th- what, what they're really pushing is something kind of a privatization model, which is horrendous, that says that 
they're going to set a minimum for how much uh, TAs get paid, a low minimum. But uh, departments can uh, make the rages higher if they can raise outside money. So departments like engineering or computer science they can get a lot of corporate grants, right? Can pay their uh, their uh, their graduate students more than the English department or the communications department. Well, that philosophy department, that's going right. to be a big payer, I'm sure. But remember, there are like there are basic requirements taught by these students. Like uh, there's this basic public speaking course that communication students need to provide and, and a basic composition course that English students mostly provide. And guess what? We're not going to pay them more, even though they're providing all that service to the students from the departments who are raising all the outside money. So it's just a, it's a perfect example. It's, it's a little bit WEDEC-like and that we're going to quasi-privatize uh, pay for, for teaching assistance. Well, we'll, uh, we'll continue to track this here at the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. So we are going to not really change topics, but um, broaden it a little bit to the broader economy here in Wisconsin. And we spent a, quite a bit of time last week talking about WEDEC and talking about Representative Voss's uh, suggestion that he was open to um, scrapping WEDEC. And uh, this week, uh, Peter Barca came out in uh, the Shepherd Express declaring we need to repeal and replace. We had more information about job losses throughout the state. Um, in fact, we have a blog that we'll uh, put a link to that sort of lays out the number of different job losses throughout. In fact, at, at this point, the state is well on its way to having over 10,000 mass layoffs, which is significantly more than last year. Uh, we also found out that Johnson Controls is going to lay off 277 employees, this after receiving a million dollars from WEDEC to hire about 266. Surprisingly similar numbers there. Um, gives you a great deal of confidence, I'm sure. Uh, so, geez, you know... It's a week later. The news continues. Oh, and I didn't even—I didn't even mention the 21 million potentially in improper loans that uh, <laughs> that WEDEC may have been giving out. So, but yet no real news about how we're moving forward necessarily. Uh, it, it just—it's—it's it's like this train will not stop, Jorna. Well. Obviously, this is laughable in some ways, and sometimes you just have to laugh to keep from crying. Our legislature will go into session, extraordinary session, to deal with such pressing concerns like revamping the Government Accountability Board and getting rid of campaign finance laws in Wisconsin, but we can't do the real business of creating jobs for working people in Wisconsin to grow and build our economy. I mean, it's a joke. We just gave a million dollars for a company to stay the same. How a is a very successful company? By a very the way, successful right? company. And and how how is that an actual investment in our future? I, I really don't understand. Oh Jonah, the one thing I forgot to add, Robert, before we get your comment is Johnson Controls the day after announcing the job loss announced uh increased dividends. So, you know, <laughs> stick it in the eye, Robert. So I guess uh, those who know about WEDIC policy will be buying Johnson Control stock oh, and getting, a, getting those dividends. Yeah, uh, like a good idea, huh? So, it, Jordan is so unfair. There's an 11 jobs. <laughs> so sorry. There's an 11 <laughs> jobs. I disagree with you, Jordan. There's a net of 11 jobs here. Oh, yes. Dollars. So at a million right. dollars yeah. a piece, yeah. right. these better be real high-paying right. jobs. <laughs> so... And so the problem with the legal problem that's been raised, which WEDEC says, oh, Commerce Department was never a blame for this. It's a very much like uh, 
the Republican position that they should gut Gab because Gab only investigates Republicans. Well, if only Republicans are shredding campaign finance law in a certain cycle, they're the ones who should be investigated. So in this case, if only WEDEC is breaking law, only WEDEC should be punished for it. Not the They cannot blame the Department of Commerce forever. So obviously we have a new bill. We, there's been movement on the Republican side. It's so embarrassing that now Robin Voss, who wants to run for governor, and uh, Representative Stunky are, are are doing their own bill. I, I assume this is going to be a lipstick on a pig kind of bill that tries to look different, but it's not and has different branding because Voss first said it was going to be re rebranded. And then when he uh, got some pushback on that, oh, no, no, we'll change the whole thing. Well, I think it's about rebranding. And the Democrats are getting stronger, which is great. And some of them have been strong all along, but the, the leaders are getting stronger. And they're trying said Representative Bark is talking about repeal and replace, but what is the replace? That's right. Is still the question. And it's not it's not that Weedek's incompetent. It's not that Weedek uh, can't follow laws. The real fundamental flaw here is the whole philosophy that handing out money unaccountably to well-connected CEOs helps the economy and helps anyone other than well-connected CEOs. And so we need actual strategy that produces the most family-supporting jobs all over the state and especially in the areas that need it most, clawbacks, a real industrial strategy on what investments would create the most jobs because we are still losing mo mostly middle-class jobs and replacing them with almost entirely poverty-wage jobs. And there is no plan, state government or WEDEC, or currently among the Democrats, though I'm hopeful that that will develop, uh, to actually have an economic strategy. So this is a huge, WEDEX, a huge opportunity to have this conversation. We've needed to have it for years. Quite frankly, the Doyle administration didn't have an economic strategy either. Let me be very clear about that. So this is not about bashing Republicans and praising Democrats, though the, the, the party that's most likely to get behind a real economic strategy is the Democratic Party at this point, or, or the stronger members within it. And we have an Economic Opportunity Agenda on our website, which Brian will provide a link to, which lays out some of the things we should do in terms of economic development to actually care about building economic opportunity in this state for everyone, because everyone who wants a good job should be able to get one if they work hard and play by the rules. So this, um, this job loss is real, right, in terms of... Uh what happened at Johnson Controls this week. I want to let our listeners know we are very serious about staying on this issue and not only just WEDEC, but looking more broadly. Robert, you mentioned our economic opportunity agenda. Really want folks to take a look at that. We really see that as a platform for what we ought to be doing going forward. And we've talked a lot on the show that we want to be very sort of positive and looking forward on what, what things ought to look like. So please take a look at that. And uh, we are going to launch a campaign that will go well into the election year and make this an election issue, you know, the outsourcing that we've talked about, all these other issues. Um, and so we want you to uh, join us. Please consider supporting Citizen Action. And uh, just this week, um, one of our phone canvassers who was talking to someone who had uh, a Marine who actually lost her job this week at Johnson Controls. Um, we had called her the day she found out she lost her job. She pulled off the road. She was driving home and talked about how she appreciates the work that we're doing around not only WEDEC, but around trying to think about what we ought to be doing. Said, donated $75 that day 
Um, and we're extremely inspired by Marine and are very committed to trying to figure this out and getting much more serious. I mean, this news just continues uh, to be bad, and uh, so we need to help lay out that plan. And, and so Robert's right. We really encourage the Democrats in a very strong position on this issue and need to be forceful in moving that. And so it's good to see Bark out there with repeal and replace. Um, and, but we can't let go of this issue. We need to stay on the offensive. As we go into an election year, remember... The dominant issue in this state is not going to be Syrian refugees and the various right-wing grandstanding trying to take take a stand against people who are fleeing the same terrorist enemies we're concerned about. It's going to be the state of the economy, and Democrats are going to win uh, to the extent they can provide a vision of how they're going to rebuild opportunity. So being against WEDEC is not an economic platform. Wanting to replace WEDEC in the abstract is not an economic platform. So, Jorna, we're going to switch topics a little bit here. Um, we referenced uh, the the things that the Republicans are doing that are completely off topic, that aren't really reflecting the interests of the people. And I want to get your immediate comment on, on the bill that's moving today as we record Thursday. We've talked about this bill that would ban or really essentially just discriminate against transgender uh, folks in high school bathroom or in, 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 school, in bathrooms. All school bathrooms. Yeah, all school bathrooms. So Tell us more again. Yeah, so today the state assembly is going to be taking up in committee this bill that would uh, would not allow transgender students to pick the bathroom where they identify. So um, it is being it is being touted as protection for students, but really it's just discriminatory policing, fear mongering tactics that are blatant bullying of transgender folks. There is once again there is no evidence, but not that the right cares if there's evidence about things, but there is no evidence that there have been assaults in bathrooms because we have allowed transgender folks to you know, pee where they want to. We're not the pee police. You know, and in fact, in Illinois, a federal court, a federal district court just struck down an Illinois attempt to ban transgender folks from the bathroom of their choice. Um, so that actually speaks well to what, if this bill should advance, if this bullying tactic should advance, um, it speaks well to the future for transgender rights. Well, the right-wing playbook on social issues is to try to exploit kind of the sweet spot for them, the discriminatory sweet spot between where, where we are in the state of social evolution. So in other words, as we evolve and become a more open society uh, socially, they try to adjust and find the next thing that is unacceptable to their base and other people. So they're going to get off of gay marriage now that they've been, they were on that and tried to win elections around that for decades. And now they get on to something people understand less, which is tr uh, trans the, the transgendered community. And they're, going to, and they're going to use discrimination. It's a kind of coded, uh, it's not coded racism, it's coded uh, discrimination, right, against the LGBT community in order to make political hay. This is a solution to no problem, as Jorna pointed out. Uh, they're claiming it's about privacy. I don't think uh, bathroom stalls have been banned or are lacking in Wisconsin schools. And if there were, that could be taken care of, uh, right? I mean, just think about this rationally. And... Uh, Mr. Kramer says that he thinks there are transgendered people, so at least a nod towards fact-based uh, legislation on the right. But also there are a lot of people just trying to cause a ruckus. And That's bullshit. I just want to say that 
we know that the, the that it is still horrendous to grow up as an LGBT youth. And not, some have good experiences, but a lot don't. There's a lot of bullying. No one chooses to do this to make a ruckus. They they choose to do this because this is who they are, right? And they're brave. And we we always have these little spins like, who's the hero? These are the heroes, and the villains are politicians who are piling on on the bullying that already takes place against these kids trying to make their way in our society and, and live their lives to the fullest. Yeah, shame on you, uh, Jesse Kramer and Steve Noss. This bill's awful, and um, most people get that um, who spend any time thinking about it. So we're going to continue to follow this, and folks ought to be immediately contacting your... Well, this is going to pass today. You need to be contacting Scott Walker's office. I mean, because this is likely to get to his desk. This thing's awful. And uh, anyways, we'll continue to follow this here on the podcast. Jorna. Yes. It's Paul Ryan Watch Time. Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House. Yes. Paul Ryan. Yes. Um, so he's had he's had an interesting week to deal with as the leader. A lot of news. A lot, lot of news. A lot of international news where if you're a serious uh, congressional legislator, you need to get into the mix. How's he doing? Well, it's interesting. You know, as a rash of governors across the country have proclaimed, not in my watch, Obama, will mean, we let any Syrian refugees into our state? You mean they've already uh, given in to ISIS? Uh, you know? I give up. <laughs> we lose. <laughs> um, even though they technically, but again, we know the conservatives don't really care about facts, they technically can't say that. Well, they can say it. They can, technically can't keep refugees from settling in places like Wisconsin, Governor Walker. Uh, I, according to the Constitution, you can't close a mosque, but it uh, doesn't stop but him from saying stop it. But Donald Trump from saying it, but we digress. Um, you know, I, I think the interesting thing here is that Walk, or, uh, Ryan, Walker, Ryan has to walk a pretty fine line and he's trying to sort of thread that needle as he goes through. There's a New yep. York Times article today where, you know, his rhetoric was much more fiery in the beginning of the week that you know, basically this sort of not under my watch and we're going to bring forward this legislation and now it's sort of, well, we need to make sure that there are all these protections and screenings of refugees and I kind of understand that, like, maybe what the crazies are saying on the right isn't exactly legal, mm, so now I have to get a constitution, blah, blah, <laughs> Bill of Rights, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, he's he's being... A voice of reason, frankly, among his party that way, but still trying to play to a very sort of um, uh, outraged base in many ways. So it will be interesting to see how much I think he backs down off of some of the more right-wing rhetoric, even though he is still saying some of it, his actions are not quite as bold. He, Dr. Craig. He'll back down to the extent there aren't another other attacks soon, because then the the fire, the flame will will die down a bit. Otherwise, he'll not an eternal flame. But it's kind of a reflection of his position as speaker. His goal as speaker is to placate the Tea Party base and make them not blow up government, and at the same time keep the money moving for the vested interests invested in the establishment part of the Republican Party. And so here he is placating the right-wing backlash, the Trump close all the mosques, never mind the First Amendment, if 
Uh, Not position. all the moss, just the bad ones, Robert. But then seeming a little more responsible, seems reasonable to have a pause in Syrian migration, right? Uh, and, and accepting of refugees. How could that be unreasonable? So he tries to, but it, but it, it so, and, but you have real fire on the right, which is gross. I mean, this is really gross. So Sean Hannity, for example is just saying in writing the most god-awful things, saying that, that they're not like us, that Muslims aren't like us, and that they're an alien presence in Western society, etc. This is a man, based on his name, I've not studied his family history, who is a, it looks like he is of Irish descent, based on his name. And uh, that would mean that he, both his, his kinsmen were and kinswomen were ter terribly discriminated against in the 19th century in the same way, and Catholics were until very recently, until 1960, when JFK finally proved that a Catholic could run for major office in a state that, that, that in a nation, nationwide. And so they were saying this about Catholics. JFK had to explain why the Pope wouldn't control the American presidency if he was elected. That's the kind of stuff Sean Hannity is spewing now, not apparently knowing the whole history of of Irish people or all the other immigrant waves in this country. Well, and, and just not to pile on and not to um, go too far into this, but I really, it's really saddened me to see what has come out of this tragedy um, here. And folks may have heard that in Chicago, they shut down O'Hare for a while and pulled people off of a plane for watching a news report on their iPhone on an airplane because they were of, quote, Middle Eastern descent. I mean, look, we're all we're all nervous, right? I mean, things like this happen and it doesn't it doesn't not shake you to the core in some way. But we can't overreact like this and just feed into this blatant racism and hysteria of the right. Well, let's be clear. There's been uh, plenty of right-wing terrorism in this country. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma City, the abortion clinic bombings, the incident, the, the, the mass murder in Charleston at a church. Oak Creek. Yes, Oak Creek, exactly. None of us are proposing that we therefore round up all the right-wingers because, let's face it, most of them aren't violent, right? Even though if they may share some of these beliefs. And so that's the thing, right? Most... Uh, Middle Eastern people, most Muslim people are not violent. And uh, it is, this is not a reflection. They like the right keeps trying to make it religious in a sleazy kind of way. So they keep saying, why does Obama not say that, they're, that they are Islamic extremists? Are we supposed to say that uh, the Nazis were, were Christian extremists every time? Because they did claim to be Christian. I mean, we don't do that. So think about what we don't say is Christian. We don't go on and on about how mass murders in this country were Christians, if you see what I mean. So it's in, in fact, there's really good reason to believe that these terrorists aren't really religious at all. It's just an excuse. In fact, the uh, reports out of coming out of Paris are the ringleaders were not people who went to mosque on a regular basis, just for example. So they use religion, but they're not really coming out of that religion. Well, obviously, um, since our last podcast, all of this news is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's shocked a lot of people. And, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth about uh, our attention focusing on it because it's Paris and, you know, that this has goes on consistently, right, in terms of terrorism, and we need to keep some perspective here about, um, you know, what what it is that we cherish about having an open society and a pluralistic, multicultural society, and that's what is the strength of this country, and uh, while understanding that um, 
incidents like this uh, are going to put fear in folks, we ought not be flaming that fear, and unfortunately that is, is what is happening. Because uh, when that happens, everybody knows, right, that's the only way they can win, right? Like, I mean, they can't take over the country by bombing things, right? They can just scare the shit out of you, kill people, and, you know, do horribly inhumane things, right? Um, so we just need to be smart about this. So hopefully, you know, ho- hopefully this will not, you know, uh, continue in terms of and in, in more rational uh, side will go. But this is a uh, Americans. We're not at our best, unfortunately, when we have to tackle with these kinds of issues. So I um, let's just uh, let's hope that uh, rational minds will prevail because the rhetoric the last week has been quite appalling in many ways. With that, though, we want to um, we want to thank everyone who came to our microbrew pot, uh, microbrew uh, fundraiser which was last night we record on Thursday so Wednesday night uh, excellent turnout we really appreciate everyone who helped support citizen action it uh, means a lot and uh, we had a lot of sponsors but as and, and a lot of donors but especially big shout out to Brenner brewery uh, for hosting and I think people should it's a, it's a liberal business owner with a very good beer people should check it out in the Walker's Point neighborhood so uh, progressive businesses that help progressive causes should certainly be rewarded plus you'll be rewarded with good beer what better reward could beer. that be it's really good beer so <laughs> again uh, I want to remind everyone that uh, try to get out there and support the Kohler workers this weekend and speaking of weekends Jorna is there anything interesting uh, that there you is. might be doing this weekend? There yep. is. Okay, what's that? Uh, so this morning, actually, um, I finagled myself an invite to a studio session at um, 88.9, which is the local indie radio I know station. Is this with your national friend? With uh, a band called Elvi, oh. who is fronted by the lead singer from my favorite band, The National. So I'll get to see them twice on Friday um, during the day at at Radio Milwaukee, and then that night at Turner Hall. So I'm oh. looking forward to some great music okay, this weekend. Okay, that sounds, sounds great. Robert, what's going on? I don't know. I think my furlough with the microbrew fundraiser, Matt. Oh, God. Uh, but, uh... I know. Ouch. But wow, that was Wednesday, Robert. I know. I hope to see some college football. I'll hang out with my nephews on Friday night, you know, kind of garden variety Robert's stuff. Robert's totally going to the Mad Planet, you know, anniversary show or something this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, well, this weekend is uh, the last uh, weekend of flat track racing, so we're having a big party Friday night. Uh, they're in Vegas, and so a bunch of my son's friends are coming over, and so we'll be watching that this weekend. I'll be speaking with the machinists this weekend on Saturday. Looking forward to that. And I'll be shoveling this weekend because I oh. believe we're going to have a shit ton of snow here in Wisconsin, I'll be particularly southern my Wisconsin. Horses. So we'll see if my wife has been in Washington this week and is supposed to fly in on Saturday. So we may not the uh, be seeing her. The very nice. Last time I spoke to the machinist, they gave me alcohol as a, as a thank you. So, Wow. <laughs> Folks, you know what you need to do to get into Robert's heart. Uh, you can bribe him with a little bit of alcohol. Yeah, maybe that's why we have a microbrew fundraiser. So with that, we want to, again, thank everyone who showed up uh, and who continues to support Citizen Action. And as always, we want to thank Brian Wilrich, who produces and makes this podcast happen. And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Uh,